we do TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and LinkedIn. Account actually does have a Facebook page, which is just cross-platform content, but I don't create content explicitly for Facebook. The following of 75,000 is actually across all of the platforms. So Instagram at the time of recording is currently at 45,000. TikTok is 6,000. YouTube is 13,000. And LinkedIn is 9,000. And so 75,000 is a cross-platform following. You're listening to Australia's podcast for accountants, Tax Talks, the podcast to grow your firm. Welcome to episode 414 of Tax Talks. This is Heide Robson and thank you for sponsoring this episode to BGL Corporate Solutions, Australia's leading provider of ethic compliance, SMSF, investment management, identity verification and AI-powered paper to data software solutions. Now, if you haven't listened to the last episode yet, please go back and listen to episode 413 first, since this episode today is really the sequel to number 413. In the last episode, we spoke about the client and fee structure of StriveX in the UK. And in this episode, let's speak with Rachel Harris about what she does on social media and how they get so many referrals. At least let's ask the question. Before we start, let me play you two social media clips from Rachel's channels to give you a flavor of what Rachel actually does on social media, what it sounds like. The first clip is 18 seconds long and is from TikTok. And there you will see numerous staff members from StriveX answering one question. Things accountants love to hear wrong answers. Please, can you call HRC for me? I've emailed you this morning. Have you done it yet? Yeah, Can I pay myself more? I don't want to pay any taxes. Can I expense Christmas decorations? What about doggy daycare? Is that allowed? Why do you need my bank statement? And this one is long content. Two minutes and 40 seconds on Instagram about the UK tax rules around gifts and Christmas gifts, etc. Now, I was going to shorten it because, of course, you're not really that interested in UK tax rules. But I think it might be helpful to listen to the full thing, to look at how long it is, how Rachel structured it, how much she goes into detail, the speed and feel of it, just to give you food for thought. So here's Rachel on Instagram. If you thought HMRC didn't have rules around Christmas gifts, then think again. Here is everything that you need to know about the tax rules which apply to buying Christmas gifts for your team or your clients. My name is Rachel. I'm the founder of one of the UK's fastest scaling accountancy practices. I am a speaker and a content creator on a mission to make financial education as accessible as possible for everybody. So what do you need to know about tax when it comes to sending Christmas gifts from your business? First up, let's talk Christmas cards. You can in fact send Christmas cards and deduct the cost as an allowable expense when you're calculating your limited company's taxable income. Now, onto your team. If you want to treat your employees to a Christmas gift, then this is completely fine. But be careful not to spend over £50 per employee. As long as you spend less than £50, the cost of the gift will qualify as a tax deductible expense under HMRC's Trivial Benefits Scheme. There are a couple more rules to keep in mind other than costs. The gift that's given cannot be cash or a cash voucher, and the gifts cannot be given as a reward for services or under a contractual agreement with your employee. Providing these rules are met, directors and employees can receive gifts that are tax-free for them 
and the cost of the gifts are tax deductible for your business under the Trivial Benefits Scheme. And these gifts do not need to be reported via a P11D either. Don't forget to check out my recent content, which was talking all about Christmas parties, which is different to Christmas gifts for employees. And next up, let's talk about gifts to clients. Generally, corporate gifts which are given to clients are not tax deductible. There are a couple of scenarios, though, where the cost of these gifts will be treated as an allowable expense. So to qualify as a tax deductible expense, the cost of the gift you are giving to a customer must be less than £50. The gift will also need to incorporate a clear form of advertisement for your business and not just on the packaging. So stationery, coffee cups and water bottles are just a couple of examples of branded gifts which will qualify as a tax deductible expense. The final condition for ensuring the cost of the advertising gifts is allowable with your branded name on rather than it just being a gift to your clients is that the gift being given cannot be food, drink, tobacco or vouchers. Sorry, I'm just imagining me giving tobacco to my clients for Christmas with no advertising on. <laughs> Assuming all of these conditions are met, then you will be able to deduct the cost of these gifts when calculating your total taxable income. So keep these rules in mind when you're sending out Christmas gifts and cards to your clients and team. And happy shopping. So with those two examples, let's go to Rachel Harris. We start with a clip from Reza Hudad's interview with Rachel in his The Profitable Accountant podcast, which I highly recommend to you, where he interviews Rachel in episode 141. Chapter number five, social media and referrals. Our initial uh, customer profiling split us into three categories. So my my only target audience was business owners. That was then, so it wasn't a specific niche. I then split that down into three sections. So we had um, Martians, which are people who are alienated by the current accountant, maybe very heavy jargon, not relatable. Maybe you're a content creator and your accountant doesn't even know what TikTok is. Like you feel alienated by your current accountant, but you have an accountant at the moment. You are an existing business owner. We then have first adopters. That's people who, as soon as they become self-employed, know that they want to work with us. And then the third is collaborators. So not people who could potentially be clients, but people who have access to people who could be clients, whether that is financial advisors and wealth managers all of the way through to people who have very large Facebook communities, which are full of small business owners. We split our content into three sections and rotated that content accordingly. So every third piece of content was specifically targeting a different person. We gained traction quite quickly. I was a firm believer in, again, maybe just as a user of a platform, I sort of knew that content is planting seeds. It's not like I'm going to post a piece of content, I'll get 10 inquiries. Like that's not how social media works. People engage for a long time, you build community, then they convert. And so I kept my head down. At the beginning, I was trying to follow accounts that were like ideal clients so that the algorithm would send people my way. And so, yeah, that's, that's how I started. Talk about the three groups of clients. So you talk about Martians, first adopters and collaborators. And there, my first question, and, and collaborators are large Facebook community owners, et cetera, who refer you. And my question is, how do you entice collaborators to refer you? Is it just because they are your clients and they love you, their accountant? Or how do you get them to talk about you? Because, of course, every accountant would love large Facebook community owners to talk about them. 
Yeah, good question. So for most of them, they are clients of ours and they've already they've already drank the Kool-Aid. Like they know what it's like to be a client of ours. And so I think you're trying to ask, like, is there any financial incentive? And the answer is no. So there's no kickback. There's no client referral scheme. Um, actually, people just bloody love shouting about us. The experience that people have when it comes to financial well-being literally changes people's lives. And so a lot of the people who have those Facebook communities or have podcasts are already clients of ours and just want that content and that financial education piece, that financial well-being piece to just reach more people all of the way through to lots of the Facebook communities aren't clients, but actually are consumers of my content. And so understand that I deliver financial education and financial content in a way that you can't really get anywhere else. And so they want an expert, but they want an expert that fits their community, which is a vibe check. It's not using jargon. It's somebody that's excited about finance and I guess yeah, I'm becoming the personal choice in that industry. Looking at Martians and first adopters. So Martians have an accountant, but are alienated and first adopters are just starting out and you're basically their first accountant. Your new clients, where do most of your new clients come from? Do you usually, you know, are you very successful in attracting first adopters? So people who are just starting out with the business or are you more successful attracting Martians who already have an accountant? Again, we have a 50-50 split on the two. And so 50% of the inquiries that we receive for business owners are first adopters. They've never had an accountant before, but they know that the accountant that they want is us. And then 50% are people who would be consuming my content on the internet thinking, my accountant doesn't explain it like that, or my accountant's never suggested that to me. And so, um, yeah, we have a 50-50 split on Martians versus first adopters. And my next question was going to be, you know, which group has the best retention? But I can imagine your retention is so high that there is probably no difference between the two. Yeah, and we, we actually don't track like any churn isn't directly related to whether or not they haven't accounted before or after. Do you find that first adopters are usually more time intensive than Martians because, you know, they have that start of their business journey? No, no, they're no more. Sometimes it's harder to teach someone to drive who already has a license and sometimes it's easier to teach someone to drive who has no driving experience. Sometimes people have been taught bad habits I believe that client, like bad clients aren't born, they are made. And if they've had a, an accountant who is very lax on deadlines, is happy to receive paperwork the day before the VAT return deadline, like we have very strong boundaries on, I will not ask a member of staff to work overtime. I will not be asking a member of staff to stay late to get this work done. And so these are the boundaries that you need to adhere to. So we put a lot of work into training clients, whether they are brand new or we sort of that induction and that onboarding process is exactly the same. Sometimes it's really easy if people have never had an accountant before because they just follow the rules, as opposed to somebody who's had an accountant before, complaining that their accountant isn't proactive, but then try and give the records really, really late. And so I don't see a difference when we induct everybody exactly the same. And talking about market segmentation, customer analysis, customer profiling, where your people are, how you can use that voice, how you can do storytelling. You talk about your social storytelling and I think you started on Instagram and now you mentioned you're also on TikTok. And there you talked about how you moved social storytelling away from business owner to personal brand storytelling. And I quote you, I think you said roughly about what is it like to be an accountant, come behind the scenes and do a day in my life, etc. What's the difference between a management accountant and a financial accountant? And Can you just elaborate a little bit more about this personal brand storytelling, you know, what's behind it? Yeah, as I said earlier, I have an online community of over 75,000. That audience is broken down into three very clear segments. So one is business owners, 
those business owners become clients of Strivex. We have practice owners. Those practice owners engage in content that I make. They buy my online courses. They become mentors. They join training programs. And then I also have uh, accounting students and those people become employees in the practice or actually if they want to engage in free resources, there's lots of free resources that I create for accounting students and I have a bursary scheme. So every year I fully fund people who can't afford to become accountants through all of their training. So in 2024, we've got seven placements for people who come from financial hardship and can't afford to become an accountant. And so my whole ethos, if you cut me open, uh, trying to financially educate people is what comes out. And so as a platform, that's why I exist, is to lower the barriers to entry to financial education and increase people's confidence and well-being when it comes to finance. And so rather than being a corporate brand uh, doing storytelling, actually for me being a personal brand storytelling, I have a very strong personal story about my why and why I love talking about financial well-being. It changed my life by being an accountant and having access to financial resources and financial education changed my life. And so that personal brand has done incredible things. People buy from people, people spend money with people, and actually being a brand storytelling versus being a person storytelling has been really, really impactful for us. I create long and short form, free, accessible, consumable information, which has landed me slots on the primetime TV shows in the UK talking about finance, having accessible financial conversations all of the way through to radio, YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram. When you say long form and short form, uh, how long is long and how short is short? Short can be anything from 20 seconds plus and long form is YouTube content. So that can be anything from nine minutes to half an hour long deep dive zero tutorials. I'm talking about market segmentation, customer analysis, customer profiling, where your people are, how you can use that voice, how you can do storytelling. And so... A big misconception around the way that I create content is that because it's quite light and I don't take myself too seriously, but I do a serious job, is that the strategy behind what I do isn't serious. And actually, I have such a high level of strategy behind every single piece of content that I create, talk about, post online, and every single piece of content that we create has a purpose, whether that is driving a pipeline of new members of staff into the practice whether that's taking the team on holiday to create content to further grow that waiting list, whether it's bringing clients in, whether it's selling our online course, which teaches people how to start and scale their own practice. Every single piece of content that you see has huge amounts of marketing strategy behind it. Do you create at least one piece of content every day and you alternate? So the first day you do business owner, the second day you do practice owner, and then the third day you do accounting students and then you start again with business owners and that all runs through on the same channel correct that all runs on accountancy and is that sometimes a challenge because these three groups they're quite different you know business owners is very different from practice owners because practice owners for example very often have already accounting background probably already know a lot about tax like for example this podcast you know is for practice owners and normal people or business owners would probably fall asleep. Not for your episode, of course, everybody would be wide awake. But when we talk about tax issues, you know, and whether subsection one says this or says that, business owners would fall asleep, whereas practice owners, you know, hopefully find it engaging because it hopefully helps them to run their practice. So I can imagine it's quite difficult at times 
to create content for these quite different subgroups? I find it really easy. I have definitely found that a lot of practice owners and accounting students really, really engage with understanding, learning and developing how to translate complex accounting topics like section 102 says this into plain English engaging content. And so I actually find that a lot of the content that really hits with accounting students and business owners is actually simply watching me target business owners. So translating complex tax topics, translating legislation, educating people, guiding people and doing that. But then I also have very strong pillars that sort of are umbrella pillars that meet everybody. So I create specific content and I have multiple channels to do this as well. So Instagram content on my grid. So on my grid feed on Instagram is very targeted towards business owners. But then I also have a close friends list where I create behind the scenes curated content specifically for practice owners, which is really easy to be really nerdy and talk about the nerdy stuff with practice owners because actually the business owners can't see it. And then I have like subsection communities through things like Facebook groups. And so it's very easy to point specific content to specific groups of people whilst having bridging pillars that everybody enjoys. So everybody, whether you're an accounting student, a practice owner, or a business owner, enjoys being a loose word, hearing complex tax topics being broken down into plain English. Business owners, because they're learning something new for the first time. Practice owners, because they're learning how to talk about something for the first time in a way that maybe feels different to the way that they, they explain it. And actually accounting students are also learning at the same time. And then I also have bridging topics that are things like productivity. So I operate in a very sort of like feel good productivity sort of way, sustainable productivity, talk a lot about productivity online. And actually whether you're a business owner, a practice owner or an accounting student, uh, normally you love learning about productivity as well. You talk about that your social media serves three goals. One is attracting potential future staff members. One is generating leads from future clients. And one is selling online courses. Bringing in new clients would be the most important one of these three goals, wouldn't it be? Yes, correct. And then I can imagine you use different platforms. You already hinted at that, so I'm pretty sure the answer is yes. You use different platforms for different goals. So I can imagine LinkedIn is for new staff members, Instagram is for new clients, etc. So TikTok is absolutely booming for new staff members. The age demographic that sits on TikTok is very much the age demographic of, you know, maybe school leavers, people who are in their early 20s looking for a career. And so we get a lot of new staff members from TikTok. We get a lot of new staff members from Instagram, people who've been following us for, for five days all the way through to have been following us for three and a half years and know exactly like what's on the shelf behind me and when they come to an interview. And then again, yeah, LinkedIn and Instagram drive a huge amount of new work into the practice. We actually find the least amount of new staff members come from LinkedIn, which blows my mind every time, considering the purpose of LinkedIn as a platform. So then most potential staff members come from Instagram and TikTok. Yeah, LinkedIn is just a certain demographic, probably older than 35 or so. Before we speak more about how StriveX manages to get so many referrals, here's a quick word from our sponsor BGL. Hey, tax talkers. Are you tired of manual identity verification processes? Introducing BGL ID, your fast, secure, automated identity verification solution. BGL ID seamlessly integrates with BGL's CAS 360, 
Simple Fund 360 and Simple Invest 360 solutions with no setup or training for existing clients. Don't get left behind as regulations tighten. With straightforward pricing, no minimum commitments and instant results, BGLID is the solution for you. To learn more, visit bglcorp.com forward slash tax talks. At the beginning, it was 50-50, 50% social media, 50% referrals. And we sort of actually maintained consistently throughout that 50% social media, 50% referrals, because at the same time as our community online growing up to 50,000, our client base has also grown to nearly 800. And so pound for pound at the same time that our happy clients are generating more happy clients, they're also talking about us, sharing about us, talking about us on social media to the point where not only do we act for our local village beekeeper, but we're dealing with some of the biggest content creators who've just left Love Island all of the way through to people who just won Bake Off. And so being able to use social media as a way to be relatable to people who don't use social media, but are business owners all of the way through to people who social media is their full-time job and primary source of income has been amazing. You said that roughly 50% comes from your accountant, Chi, and 50% comes through word of mouth. Is that still correct? Yeah, yeah, as a rough split. So accountant, Chi covers all social media platforms. So Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and LinkedIn. And then the other 50% of being happy clients, making more happy clients. But again, sometimes that changes and that skews, but normally over a year, it's about 50-50 from people who already know us versus people who are being recommended to us. And again, sometimes we just had a big sort of spurt in growth. We did our marketing strategy for 2024. And so we received a huge volume of inquiries from one platform because we went viral on one platform. And so during the month, it can sort of grow and change, but on average, it's 50-50. Somewhere you say that you bring about 110,000 pounds a month of new working, putting social media aside, if 50% comes through referrals, that means you get 55,000 pounds a month in new work just from referrals. That is amazing. How do you get your clients to refer so much new work to you? Doing a great job. Our clients are very passionate. We have a very, very high level of ownership, a sense of ownership. For example, we do a lot of work with influencers, content creators, celebrities, in the UK, Love Island All-Stars just finished and we've got clients who have been on Love Island who went into the Love Island Villa. One client came out a couple of days ago and said, I've been talking about you in the Love Island Villa. Like I've been sat on a sun lounger telling other Love Islanders, you are my accountant. And so did they broadcast that? Did they, did that they didn't broadcast it. No, they cut it out. They were all talking about their tax returns because it was January. <laughs> so yeah, January is tax, ret tax return season in the UK and they didn't air it. Um, but she sent me a voice note saying, I've been telling every single person in All Stars that you are my accountant. And so just wait for them all to get dumped and you'll start receiving inquiries at the same time as we've just signed a Manchester United football player. And so the sense of ownership is very high, but also that sense of when you join us as a client, you are joining an incredible sort of cohort of clients. And so that sense of my accountant is that accountant who also does the accounts for that celebrity or that person uh, is very, very high. Lots of the clients that we have have double digit millions of followers. And so um, for us delivering really great service at a very high level, but also just that sense of ownership, I can't, I can't put enough, enough emphasis on that. Like people are incredibly proud to call us their accountants. No, I see. Well, that's very good. So you're like the Yves Saint Laurent of um, <laughs> accountants or the Chanel that's cool to 
have Strive X as your accountant. Yeah, exactly. So that's a great achievement to get there. So would you say that content creators is a niche you're in or or is that just one of many niches you have? Yeah, so we, we don't have a niche. We specialize in person-centered holistic approach. If we had a niche, it would be our core values. So all of our clients have to sign our core values when they become a client. And uh, actually we red flag clients who don't adhere to core values. The person-centered holistic financial transformation piece is what we specialize in. And we do that for entrepreneurs, influencers, and celebrities. Would you mind sharing your core values? Of course, I would absolutely love to. So number one, am I allowed to swear on the podcast? Yes. Okay, cool. Uh, Number one is don't be a That is our number one core value and the most important. Lots of accountancy practices would have be kind, like painted behind me on the wall, but actually... As part of our recruitment process, you wouldn't get past the first interview if you weren't a kind, nice person. I don't mean be kind. I mean, don't be a d- What does it mean? Don't be a D word. What does that mean? It's not really an internal core value. Don't be a d- is much more about clients. And so as someone that trained at a very stereotypical practice where clients were allowed to speak to you in not a very nice way and the partners would say, oh, it's a good fee. It's a good fee. Just, just carry on doing the work. Actually, our don't be a dick core value applies to clients more than it applies internally. And so we built a uh, custom field in our CRM software. So any member of staff, whether you answer the phones all the way up to partner level can red flag a client. So you can toggle the red flag on and write a note about why you are red flagging them. And the vibe check for us is if you saw their name on your phone and you wouldn't want to answer the phone, you should be red flagging that client. I don't expect anybody to come to work and not want to speak to a client or not want to be spoken to in a certain way. And so the don't be a rule is very much a, this is the core values that clients sign when they become clients. It's very much around, we understand that taxes can be stressful. We understand that sometimes things are time sensitive, but actually we will not tolerate members of staff being spoken to in a way that means you're being a bit of a So number one is don't be a Number two is to always ask more questions than you answer. Very often in the accounting industry, clients will come to us with one question, but the real root of the cause is maybe three questions down. So what's my tax bill going to be actually means I'm asking what my tax bill is going to be because I'm concerned about cash flow, because we're in a cost of living crisis and because I've just lost a client. And so always asking more questions than you're answering will get you down to the true cause of that problem and the true cause of that financial pressure and stress and anxiety for the client. So can you just say number two again? I, I got the explanation. I just didn't get the actual value. Can you just say it again? Ask and then it was ask more questions or what was that value? Ask more questions than you ask. Ask more questions than you give answers. Is that the value? Correct. Yeah. So ask more questions than you answer. Number three is to maximize every touch point. So we are very much as much or as little as you want. If you engage in all of our services, you can spend up to five hours with us every single month, completely free and included in your service package. But some people are very busy, don't engage with the sort of one-to-many or on-demand elements. And so for some people, it could be that we're only speaking to them a couple of times a year. So we maximize every single touch point. Number four is to give clients a wow experience. And number five is to be the best you can be. Uh, Be the best you can be is a very internal core value. And within that, we are talking about not comparing yourself to other people. We have some of the very best, like most talented individuals in the accounting industry on our team. But what that means is people compare themselves to each other. And so be the best you can be is a guideline to really help them. But it's also a promise from us that we'll only ever compare you to you. You get so many referrals and it really is just love, correct? You don't encourage referrals. You don't ask your clients to refer or do you? 
it, it's quite impressive how many referrals you receive. It's really just that you wowed them with your service, correct? Or is there more? Yeah, no, we, we don't don't ask clients to refer us. There's no sort of like financial incentive for people to refer us. Again, that sense of they are my accountants is so strong. And you can probably tell by the value proposition that I just ran through of what clients get. The amount of exposure that they get to us is really, really hot. Again, with social media, even if they're not joining all of the sessions that I've just gone through, they're seeing me every single day on social media. And that's somebody that you talk about. That's somebody that they know what I'm doing today. They know what I'm up to. They know what content I'm creating. That is somebody who is constantly reminding you, I exist, I exist, I exist. And this is who I am. These are my values. This is what I stand for. And so obviously the most important thing is delivering a service that they want to shout about. But then the other is making sure that you are sort of positioning yourself in, into a point where it's easy for people to talk about you. It's easy for them to say, go and follow her on Instagram and then do your own thing. And so, yeah. Can you give me a rough idea of the engagement you have on each of the platforms? So I think on Instagram, you have 75,000 followers. Can you tell me what you have on TikTok? And I think you're on TikTok, Instagram and LinkedIn. Are you on Facebook as well? So we do TikTok, Instagram, YouTube and LinkedIn. Accountancy does have a Facebook page, which is just cross-platform content, but I don't create content explicitly for Facebook. The following of 75,000 is actually across all of the platforms. So Instagram at the time of recording is currently at 45,000. TikTok is 6,000. YouTube is 13,000. And what was the other one? LinkedIn is 9,000. Yeah. And so 75,000 is a cross-platform following. You talk about strategy and the main thing you say is we need to change the way we approach people's access to finance. And then also you say specifically targeting business owners who look and feel like me and also behave as consumers like me. And there I have two questions for you. The first one is what services do you offer around finance? So when you say we need to approach people's access to finance, that is where the mortgage segment of your business comes in, correct? So I'm actually talking about reducing the barriers to entry to people receiving financial education. And so as a bare minimum of being a client of ours, they receive, every client gets monthly comms from me, one monthly hour long financial education session with me, where we talk about things like maternity pay for self-employed people, how to forecast with your well-being in mind. And so every single client gets monthly comms from me. They get to spend an hour with me going through their finances. They spend another hour with us with an expert who's not finance. So that could be PR, marketing, how to scale, how to use different services to scale. We then also do one hour long session, which is a monthly financial wellbeing routine. So clients can join us one to many in a Zoom call where they're doing their own monthly financial wellbeing routine with more than one accountant on the call available to ask questions. They then get another completely free hour where we do monk mode, which is where we work on their business, not in their business, where we all sit as a group doing accountability, networking, doing deep focus work on the business. We then invite them to a month nine review within their practice. They also get access to our Strivex University, which is lots of on-demand content broken down into taxes, VAT, understanding your accounts, how to scale your business, which then feeds different referral points into more services, things like the HR, things like mortgages. We do all of the records requests the day after their company year end. So we're not deadline driven. We are sort of very, very proactive in terms of recording records. And then that's the bare minimum that every single client receives. And then we add on services on top of that. So that's the bare minimum that anyone from a statutory client all the way through to a daily bookkeeping job get. And then we add services on top of that. 
And so Strivex exists to lower the barriers to entry to people receiving financial education. So we don't charge for any of the stuff that I just said. And then we also just put the person at the center of the finance and treat them as a person first and a client second. And then the second comment was when you say specifically targeting business owners who look and feel like me and behave as consumers like me. What do you mean with that? Oh, good question. So a lot of that has to do with our marketing strategy. So when I say behave like me or look and feel like me, I mean behave on certain platforms. So targeting consumers who actually are natively consuming TikTok, Instagram or YouTube content as a way to find resources is a really great way of being able to deliver that to them en masse for free. So they get to consume the content for free. I get to create a full-time job creating content. And so the behavioral piece is much more around how and when they're consuming content, how and when they are finding people to work within their business. And so some accountants would specifically be targeting people who Google accountant in the UK who specializes in working with influencers, but actually in Rachel land as a, as a 30 year old, people are actually searching for that content on Instagram. They're using, they're using social media as a search engine, whether that's TikTok, YouTube, or Instagram. And so just trying to find people who behave in a similar way when they are looking for people to work within their business. What software do you use to edit your video content? And the second question is, do you edit it all by yourself or do you have editors or people who help you to create the content? Yes, yeah, so I have a full-time digital marketing exec. And so it's a full-time job to support everything that I do all the way through from booking podcast appearances like this, all of the way through to editing. So for long form content, so that's YouTube edits, we use Premiere Cut Pro, which is an Adobe product. And then for short form content, we use CapCut, which is an app that you can get on your phone. Rachel Harris of StriveX in the UK and accountant underscore she on social media. Now, before we go, let me play you two more clips from Rachel's social media just to give you some ideas. I'm not saying this is the best of the best. I'm not saying this is the creme de la creme or this is how you should do it. Of course, you need to find your own voice, your own way of talking to your people. And that might not even be through social media. All I want to show you is that this is the content that contributed to Strivex's phenomenal growth. So Rachel is clearly doing something right and hence it is worth looking closer at it to help you find your own voice. So here's a long content clip from Rachel's account on Instagram about VAT on delivery charges. Everything that you need to know about whether you need to charge VAT on your delivery costs. If you're new here, hi, my name is Rachel. I'm an accountant, a business owner and a content creator on a mission to make financial education like this as friendly and accessible as possible for as many people as possible. Every single week, I ask you guys on my Instagram stories what finance and accounting questions that you've been Googling so that I can get you the information that you need. This week in our weekly question box, somebody asked, should I include VAT incurred on delivery costs in my product costs? VAT on shipping costs is always a complicated area for small business owners to wrap their heads around. And so let's dive right in. If your customers order one of your products online and your company is VAT registered, then VAT will need to be added to the delivery costs that you charge to your customer. Importantly, if you do not charge your customers for delivery costs or postage, then VAT will not be payable on delivery costs, but only the cost of the goods which have been ordered. So why is VAT payable on delivery costs? Arranging postage and delivery of an order is considered to be a service and VAT is charged on supplies of services as well as goods. The VAT payable on those delivery costs will be included in the total delivery costs, 
which the customer agrees to when they place their order online. When calculating the VAT on shipping charges, you should always use the VAT that applies to the goods that you're shipping. This means that the VAT on delivery costs varies depending on which type of products that you're selling. So if, for example, you sell children's clothes online, which are subject to VAT at the zero rate, then the VAT, which will be charged on the delivery costs incurred by your customer, will also be at the zero rate. But are you shipping items that fall into different VAT categories? If so, then the VAT for the shipping costs is charged proportionally, according to how many items are subject to VAT at the zero rate, standard rate, or the reduced rate. Now, these rules apply if your customer is based in the UK. But what about if your customer is based in the EU? If that EU-based customer is VAT registered in the relevant jurisdiction, then you'll be able to apply VAT at the zero rate on the total price that you've charged your customer, including on the costs of postage and delivery because of reverse charges. For these rules to apply to you, you need to ensure that you can evidence that your customer is VAT registered so you'll need to obtain their VAT number. If your EU-based customer is not VAT registered, then you will need to charge VAT on any delivery charges, just as if your customer was in the UK. Don't forget that if your VAT registered business has incurred VAT relating to delivery or postage services purchased by your business, then the business can claim the VAT for those business expenses back in a VAT return. If you've got any other questions all about VAT and delivery charges, pop them in the comments of this video or next Wednesday's question box. And here is another clip, and that will be the last clip. And this one is also long content about selling vintage items, just to give you a flavor of what Rachel's social media channels sound like. Let me explain the Vinted Depot and Etsy tax rules, which seem to be terrifying everybody this January. My name is Rachel. I'm a qualified accountant. I'm also a Vinted girly. I just got the stamp on Vinted. So let me explain what will happen to the person who sold it. So in the UK, we have something that's called the trading allowance, which means that anybody can earn up to £1,000 through a side hustle or a hobby before they have to declare anything with HMRC. So if you're just having a clear out of your old Christmas jumpers or you're selling your old Primark bargains, then it's unlikely that these rules will impact you at all. But let's just say that the person who sold me this jumper did make more than a thousand pounds. What happens then? So what's your total sales from any side hustle or hobby go over one thousand pounds in any tax year? You need to register with HMRC to file a self-assessment tax return. If you've looked into making money through a side hustle before, you might be thinking literally nothing has changed. And you'd be right, nothing has changed. As the person who's making money online, you still need to register as self-employed and you still need to file a tax return. The only thing that's changed is to do with the platforms. As well as your responsibilities to declare that income, the platforms now have a responsibility to declare your income to HMRC too. So if you file a tax return which declares income from Depop and Depop also tell HMRC the same information, everything reconciles and there's nothing to do. But if watching this video has made your stomach fall out, then this is what's going to happen next. The online retailers will report your income to HMRC, and if that does not match what you have filed or told HMRC, then HMRC will send you a letter to let you know that you've got some undeclared income that you need to pay tax on. As I said at the beginning of this video, for most hobby sellers, these rules are not applicable because it takes a lot of selling to get you over £1,000. The only thing that you need to do is keep an eye on the total sales that you make per tax year. And if that is getting close to or goes over a thousand pounds, either find an accountant or register as self-employed. And that was the new Vinted Depop and Etsy tax rules explained by a qualified accountant who's also a Vinted girly. So that was all about how social media contributed to Strivex phenomenal growth. In the next and final episode in this series, let's 
look at how the team structure and the team culture at StriveX is having such a big impact on StriveX growth. Until then, thank you for listening and thank you to BGL for their support. To find out more, please go to bglcorp.com. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.